Let's open our Bibles to a familiar passage, Psalm chapter 91. We'll come to in just a moment, Psalm chapter 91. If you've been here the last several weeks, uh, you know we've been on a series of prayer. Uh, hadn't gotten very far except uh, we've been talking about barriers and hindrances to getting our prayers answered. And we opened our beginning lesson from 1 Kings chapter 18, the story of Elijah who repaired and prepared and then he prayed, then the fire of the Lord fell. God answered his prayer. An application we've been making the next four weeks about some things that hinder us from actually the Lord answering our prayers and uh, from the petitions we give to him. Uh, we mentioned that sin, unconfessed sin, uh, sin that's not been forsaken keeps us from getting our prayers answered. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If you're not walking in his word, uh, if you don't hearken unto his law and his word, your prayers are as an abomination, the scripture says. So there's an intimacy with his word. Other than that, it keeps you from getting your prayers answered. We talked about being right with fellow Christians and having offenses and making them right before you come to the altar and have petition with the Lord. And then a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned the last one. And that was another reference. And there are many other places, but the fourth one we gave is about marriage relationships and uh, a husband and wife dwelling together as heirs of life to make sure that our prayers do not be hindered. And uh, so today we're going to go just a little further for the next couple, three weeks. We'll end this little series on prayer. And I want to bring a lesson today, where to pray next Sunday, how to pray where to pray found in Psalm chapter 91. Let's look at the introductory verse here. He who dwells in the shelter or the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. Hold that passage just for a moment before we come to it with just a few things by way of introduction as we enter into this text. And uh, notice this place. There's a place to go and pray. Uh, there's a place reserved and waiting for you to enter into. And I want to bring this lesson by way of encouragement and admonition to us today that we would understand the secret place, the dwelling place of the Lord. Uh, you, like I, have been to a lot of places in your lifetime, many places. And uh, some of these, uh, perhaps as you think about them, if you list them out, would be your favorite place or places of all the places that you've been. You've got childhood places in mind that bring back some memories and, uh, and maybe some favorite memories and places that you went during your childhood days. Uh, I moved around with my family. We did not live in the same town all of our lives. We, I was raised in several different towns and states growing up, dad being in ministry and so forth. And uh, I remember moving from dad's business, took him down from Chicago. I was just a baby then. I was born in Chicago, moved down to Memphis for about nine months, then down to New Orleans for about a couple years, and then down to Boca Raton, Florida. And uh, back in 1960, late 59, early 1960, a lot of things I remember about that place for my four or five years as a four, five, six, seven, eight-year-old boy. Uh, 
And dad was called to ministry and loaded up the family. We moved up to Graceville, Florida, Florida Baptist Theological Seminary is where it's called now. Back then it was called a Baptist Bible Institute. Mom and dad both enrolled in Bible school back in those days. And uh, a lot of memories about that place, Graceville, Florida. Alabama is what I call home, roll tide. Uh, Alabama is home for me. And uh, most of my growing up years was there. Dad pastored a couple churches. And from there I went to college. Dad remained there in Alabama. And, uh, but just a lot of memories. And you have them as well. Places in your mind of your childhood. Then you have places that you visited. Maybe vacation or family times together and uh, that you came across and uh, that you, you traveled to. Uh, I've got a list just like you do. And uh, probably got some that would be more favored than other places, a place I seem to enjoy more. I, I hesitate to say which ones they were, but, um, uh, but Sherry and I had some time on our 25th anniversary up in the New England area. Remember that well. And been back several times since in Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, and that area up there. Our 40th, we went out west. I'd been to Montana before, but a couple years after that, I took her out there, and uh, we flew into Salt Lake City and rented a vehicle for 10, 12 days going through uh, Yellowstone and uh, glaciers uh, up in the, the top part of Montana, coming down through Idaho, beautiful place. Uh, I remember one time going out to a pastor's meeting and was able to see San Francisco and think of these places that we visited. Uh, I've been on foreign fields as well, visiting missionaries, uh, mostly in the Southern Hemisphere. And uh, I know those places and their memories to me. And I'm thankful for all those places. And, uh, but everyone knows and has memory of places. Uh, Sherry's been blessed to go to Europe. I've not been over there. Her sister and uh, uh, her husband, our brother-in-law, uh, missionaries in Germany and England for 37 years, I guess. And, uh, but she's been over there several times visiting with her sister, a number of the European countries there. A place, a place, a place. What places have you been to? The interesting about places when you go there, every place, each place that I went to see and visit, it took me time to get there. Had to travel to get there. And some of it was inconvenient time. Some of it was not pleasant traveling, difficult to travel. Uh, maybe I'd gotten sick or maybe uh, the vehicle didn't run so well. And maybe it was just the long hours kind of wore me out physically just to get to that place. It took time to get there. Uh, something else about the places that you visited and I visited, we had to schedule them. We had to make a schedule of our visit when we were to arrive in that place. Every place that I've ever visited uh, like that, it always cost me money. I don't ever remember going to a place out of the state that I wanted to visit and scheduled and put on my calendar that didn't cost me anything. It always cost me money. And as far as I can remember, the longer the distance, the more tired I returned when I got back home. I came back tired. But there's one place that doesn't cost you any money. And there's one place that doesn't take any time to get there. And there's one place you don't need to schedule. And there's one place that when you come back from there, you're refreshed and you're renewed and you're energized. Guess where that place would be? Psalm 90, 
and verse number one. Matter of fact, 91, and the whole chapter, chapter 91. The place, a sheltered place, a secret place. And in fact, just so you'll know, since I woke up this morning, I've been there twice and come back twice, and I'm here this morning. I've already been to those places twice today. I counted early this morning how many times I went there yesterday, and my memory tells me I went to this place five times on yesterday. I went to this place that we're talking about. It's where to pray. The place you go when you pray. It's described right here. The, 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 what is in the presence of this place, the atmosphere of this place, the person in this place. I tell you, I'm hoping in the next 20, 30 minutes, it increases your appetite to want to pack your bag. No, you don't even have to pack your bag. Just get there. Just go. You can go there in less than a second. Can you imagine that? You don't need another invitation. The invitation is wide open. The, the, the person who resides there is waiting for you to get there. He longs for you to call upon him so he can show you great mighty things you don't know anything about. He longs, Ephesians 3, 20, to give to you because of his ability and his power and his might to give you things that you can't even imagine or even think upon greater than that according to the power that works within us. So let's talk about this place that is here and uh, that's given to us as to where to pray. The Scripture reminds us in the first part of our text by way of introduction, it's this secret place. Uh, it's this place of uh, a lesson for us that's a sheltered place. And, uh, and matter of fact, if you look in the first verse of chapter 90, it references the same place of chapter 91, verse 1. It says that the Lord, you have been our dwelling place, chapter 90 and verse number 1. In all generations, he talks about this place. And then he goes to the next chapter, and he begins to open it up and describe to us what this place is all about, the atmosphere and the person that is there. And notice what it says in this, pla in this place. It says, it's the one who dwells in the shelter. It's the location of the Most High, the Most High. It's not speaking of the distance between here and there. Although I personally believe that God's throne is the furthest place you can go in all of his created universe. He is the highest of every galaxy, of every star, of every uh, system of uh, being, planet being, and so forth, and, and uh, that he had created back from Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2. His throne is high above all of the heavens. But I don't think it's referencing the distance here, but it's, it's giving something to the magnitude or the superiority of the person that is there. Matter of fact, it gives to us in my Bible, it's, 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 got, it's got alphabetic, uh, 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 the words that are given to us are, are given to us with the most high, as though it's the person, uh, the name of our God. And he dwells there as the most high God. It does speak of his superiority, the almighty one. Isaiah had said several times in chapter 44, chapter 45, 46 of this one on the most high. There's nobody like him. 
There's nobody like him. That's who he is. He's omnipotent, all-powerful, and most sovereign God. He stands in his own will alone. Yesterday, VW introduces chapter 46 of Isaiah. What a blessed time together. By the way, VW, I, I like the, the scriptural prayer. I may reference that next Sunday on how to pray, but you've been doing something in our prayer meeting on Saturday mornings that's kind of a scriptural pattern of praying. Uh, you might call it praying the scriptures. I, I, I like that. But he referenced yesterday with the guys that were there yesterday morning, Isaiah 46. And, and it talks about the Lord in Isaiah 46 that he has purposed his will. And what he has purposed in his will, he will do it. He will do it. By the way, if you want a refreshing time in the Old Testament to, to see the glory and magnitude of God, take time in Isaiah 41 through chapter 59. Uh, the latter part of the whole book of Isaiah, the references of the, the glory of our God. The, the psalmist said, he's the one who's uh, the most high. Uh, that's, the, that's the magnitude of our God. And uh, that's who he is. He purposes uh, to do his will. I'm thankful for that. So it tells us in Psalm 91, it's that shelter of the Most High, and those will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Let's look first of all concerning this secret place. There's several descriptions in the first couple verses that talk about this place. First of all, it's noticed as a high place. In the first part of verse number one, the most high, the powerful place where God dwells. It's a near place because it references a shadow. When you get in this shadow of the most high, you are very near to the very person of God. You're near to the Lord. You, you, you're in his presence. You've entered into his presence. That's the invitation, Psalm chapter 100 when we come. And it's a safe place. Verse number two, it's a place of refuge. Uh, you think about that place of refuge. A refugee would enter into such a place that gives him an environment that is more peaceful than what he's experienced in the previous journey of his life. And so when I think about this place, when I go to prayer and I enter into this place, I'm, I'm going to a refuge place, a place that's got protection for me, a place that offers me provision, someone there who's going to uh, snuggle up to me and comfort me and hold me and help me. It's a place of refuge. And then it's referred to in verse number two as a fortress. Uh, uh, it's the secure place. Not only refuge for safety, but security where there's a fortress. When you think about fortresses, I studied a little about this word this week. It's just simply the idea that there, that there are certain things that are alienated from God and not in the will of God that cannot approach this place. Do you know in this place there's no sin? No. In this place, everything that's outside the will of God is absent. It's secured. It's garrisoned. It's a refuge where the throne of God exists, where he dwells. It's a high place. And think about the glory of this place. Then it also talks about, I don't have this in the notes. You want to put number five. It's a place of trust, latter part of verse number two. It's a place where I can trust. The person that sits on this throne, that's the place I can go. There's where he dwells. He's whom I can trust. I like that. My God in him will 
I trust. And there are several other things I thought about early this morning. I got my pen out again, wrote a few other notes in here, and just a few other references in Psalm. You know something else about this place? It's quiet. I'm not sure at this place you hear the angels singing. Maybe you do. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that you don't get to see all your loved ones when you go to this place. God's there, and they're in his presence. But I'm not sure you're going to that place, what I'm talking about, in this secure, fortress place in heaven where those things about heaven dwell. I don't think you'll visit those during this time. I think it's a place of quiet. Matter of fact, the Scripture says, to, it says to that, uh, that, that to, to be still, Psalm chapter 46, be still and know that I am God. It's a quiet place. It's a joyful place. In his presence, there is an abundance of joy. Psalm 16, verse number 11. And eternal pleasures in his presence is a whole lot of joy and eternal pleasures. That's part of this place. I like that. Psalm 34, verse 8 talks about this good place. Behold and see that the Lord is good. The nearness to this place, the shadow, the presence of God, the very place that he dwells in this high place, this secure place, this near place, this safe place, this quiet place, this trusting place is that place where you'll experience the goodness of God and eternal pleasures. So notice it is a place, the secret place. Now, let's take a few minutes this morning, if we can, to just run right down through this text very quickly and explain to you what is found in this place. We've referenced who is there. God Almighty, high and holy, lifted up on his throne. You can get there in a split second. Doesn't take time to get there. Immediately you get in this place. Doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to schedule it. You can go anytime. You can go as many times as you want to go. You can stay as long as you want to stay. And when you come back to do your earthly business and you walk away to do his will on this earth, you'll begin to see, have his fragrance upon your life, and you'll come back renewed and energized. Matter of fact, you stay there long enough, you might start looking like him. That's what you call godliness, God-likeness. You might start looking like him. You might start talking like him. You might start thinking the way he thinks. He might just rub off on you a little bit and change the way you normally are on this old earth. And to think, go as long as you want, as often as you want, as many times as you want, doesn't cost you anything, to come back from his presence to do your business on the earth and still have the remaining appearance of the Lord in your life and throughout your life. So, I'm hoping, like I said, in about 10 more minutes, you're going to get an appetite and want to get there real fast. Someone might be going there while I'm preaching today. That's all right. That's a better place than this place, I'll guarantee you. What you think 
this is a sanctuary. You ain't seen no sanctuary till you got to this place. It's really set apart. It's really a holy place. You might decide, I don't want to eat lunch today. You're just going to get home. You're going, you're going, I got to get there. I got to get there. I'm praying that someone gets an appetite. I'm hoping some of y'all to start traveling there more often and get to this place, the most high place, sheltered and secret with a holy God. What will you find when you get there? Or what will you receive after going to this place? First of all, you'll receive deliverance. Look in verse 3 and 4. By the way, anybody need to be delivered from anything today? Anything hound in your trail? Anybody got a besetting sin that, that just keeps nabbing at you and biting on you and picking at you? Do you, you ever find yourself in temptations and difficulty? You, you find yourself struggling in the Christian life to grow in the grace, the knowledge of Jesus? Deliverance. Look what he says in verse number three. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He'll cover you with his pinions. That's the outer extended part of his wings and his feathers. And under his wings, that's the whole wing, not just the edge pinion, but the, the whole wing, he'll find, you'll find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. There's a deliverance from snares that's mentioned here. Deliverance. Deliverance. I want you to think about deliverance just for a moment. Look this way while I quote about 15 verses for you <laughs> about deliverance. He says in Isaiah 43, too, that he'll deliver us from waters and rivers and fires. Isaiah 59, I referenced a while ago, he talks about when the floods overtake you, there's one there that will deliver you in the floods. Jeremiah 15, 21, he delivers you from the hand of the wicked one. 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy 4, 18, he'll deliver you from every evil deed. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, he delivers you over your temptation Psalm 121, verse 2, you're, you're, you'll keep your feet and your, your foot from moving and slipping. Psalm 82, 4, he delivers you from the hand of the wicked. Got any wicked people around you? He'll deliver you. You just got to get to that place. There's your deliverance when you get to this place. 2 Peter 2, 9, over your trials. 1 Thessalonians 3, 2, over the wicked and the evil men, he will deliver them. Romans 8, 2, he delivers you from the law of sin and death. Psalm 20, from your trouble. Psalm 107, from your distress. Psalm 59, 1, from your enemies. Psalm 30, verse number 5, some of y'all still crying and weeping? He'll take that out of you. He'll deliver you from your weeping and your sorrows. John 17, 5, 15, Jesus prayed, Lord, Keep them from the evil one. Lord, deliver them from the evil one, Satan. 1 John 1, 9 and 1 John 2, 1. He delivers us from our very own sin. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High God will find this refuge and say of him, of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress. He's one I'm going to trust because the first thing you find, he will deliver you praise the lord for that and there's another passage as well that talks about that deliverance 
Let me tiptoe down here just a little bit. And verse 14, he holds fast to me in love. And God says on his throne, I will deliver him. From snares, those are traps, entanglements, and deception. That refers to the arsenal of Satan himself. He's the father of lies. He, he seeks to steal. He seeks to destroy. He seeks to kill. God says, get up here. You get my presence. I'll take you away from all that stuff. I'll, I'll deliver you from what you experience in your journey on this earth. He gives us deliverance. And verse 3, he talks about pestilence. Uh, I put down the word disease there. It's that continual, perpetual, perplexing of something that just never goes away. It's almost like I've had it so long, I can't ever stop it. Can't ever see it healed and go away. Health can never be restored because of this disease. And can you hear the Lord saying, come on up. Be still. Know that I'm God. You come to this secret place, and the first thing, verse 3 and 4, he says, you'll find deliverance. And then he's our den. I put down that word, verse number 4. He's a refuge, and you'll also find his faithfulness. And then number 3, he's our defense, verses 5 to 13. What's that defense that's given to us? Well, let's just walk through these verses just for a moment. Look at verse number 5. The terror of the night is where our defense is. That throne of God defends us from the terror of the night. You ever experience that? Or from the arrow that flies by the day. The pestilence disease that stalks in the darkness. The destruction that comes even in the noonday. Arrows, verse 7, will fall at your side, but my defense ain't one of them going to hit you. 10,000 at your right side. Don't worry, in my presence, those arrows never make the target. Never make the target. Do you understand how powerful, how glorious, how sheltered, place of refuge, place of safety in this most high God. And he begins to describe, arrows be flying by you, ain't one going to hit you in the secret place. 10,000 at another time, not a one of them is going to, I want to tell you something. I've seen a whole lot of Christians in my lifetime been struck by a whole lot of different arrows. And I know the reason why. Yes, I did, because I know the Bible. I don't have to be brilliant and so filled with the Spirit and so supernatural and holy thinking what's going on in people's life. I can discern a lot of real quick about a lot of people's problems. Not all their problems and not everybody. But a lot of times it goes like this. They are lacking from making a journey to a secret place. And that's why their life continually is a life of failures. A life of defeat. Constantly discouraged often angried, speaking evil out of their mouths, sinful, offensive, doubting, 
prayerless, defeated. I'm going to tell you something. It'd be to your advantage to purpose to get to this place as often as you can. It'll change what happens in your life. You get there. You have a place of deliverance. It's a den secured place. It's a defensive place from all the wicked stuff that's thrown and poured upon you from the terror, from the errors, from the disease, and from destruction, from evil and plagues, verse 10, from lions and scorpions and serpents. Ain't there one in 1 Peter referred to as a lion, a roaring lion? Yeah. What did he look like when he found in the garden? Like a serpent? What are you going to do? He's going to defend you. Verses 5 to 13. From these beings and these creatures, these evil ones that constantly trying to make your life to fall and to fail. And not to draw near God, but draw away from God. But as often as you go into this secret place, you will experience the defense that you need. And just because you leave from that moment in time and season of prayer and come back down to live your natural life on the earth, so to speak, God allows you to be tainted still with his holiness (laughs) and his presence. And that's why you need to stay refueled day after day after day by the renewing. And then verse 14 says, he holds us and he knows us. He delivers us and he protects us. He holds fast to me in love. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. The secret place. And then number four, look at verse number 15. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. Number four, I put down this, the Lord's our delight. He's our delight. And the delight is found in four ways in verse number 15. He answers our prayer. Ain't that good? We've been talking about how you ain't going to get your prayers answered for five weeks. Now we're talking about now you can get them answered. But it's dependent upon where you go. The nearness of God, the, the intimacy with God in his presence, on, near his throne, under the shadow, where his outer feathers and his whole wing covers you, where you're receiving this, number four, the delight. He says, I will answer him. By the way, that's conditional. You know, prayer is conditional. Did you know that? It's not conditional upon God. It's conditional upon you. And we've been talking about some conditions the last five weeks. But the condition of the where you pray makes a big difference as if you're going to get your prayers answered. So all this, verse 1 and 2, it just umbrellas these next 15, 14 verses here down. And so for those that are dwelling in this secret place, God says to you, to those of you that are in my secret place, you're under my shelter, you're in my refuge. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Now, the ones that aren't, they're not going to get this. There's some of my people. 
They don't come here often. They're not going to get this. And God says, in this delightsome place, when you get here, I'll answer you. I'll answer you. And then you also have his divine presence, verse 14. It speaks of himself, I. And then you get his rescue. I'll protect him. I know him. He said, I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him, and I will honor him. There's a determined rescue. I will do it. Notice these I wills, the Lord says in this passage, when he calls me, I will answer. I'll be with him. I'll rescue him. I will honor him. Four times, God's determined will is to do something for you while you remain in his presence. And then he says, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to, if you come here, Bob, if you come here, I'm going to honor you, Bob, my son. Peggy, if you come here, God says, dear child, I'll, I'll honor you. God honors me in his presence. I said, the light's in place. You getting your appetite up a little bit? Didn't we get a little hungry? <laughs> Y'all want to go there? The light's in place. And then lastly, it's our destination. Look at verse number 16 in closing. Now, he who dwells in the secret place, this shelter place of the Most High God, and abides in the shadow of the Almighty, and you can say and recognize it's a place of refuge, a fortress place, a place you can trust. He says, if you come to this place, there's one thing for sure you're going to receive and find in this place. With a long life, I'm going to satisfy you and show you my salvation. Our destination as we enter this place and leave from this place is a promise for us. That life inside the will of God will be satisfied. The scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord. Then he gives you the desires of your heart. Uh, you know, life would be pretty good if I got all the desires of my heart, wouldn't it be? Everything I desire. But you know something? You cannot desire anything outside the will of God as long as uh, you're continually delighting in the Lord. With long life, I'll satisfy and I'll show my salvation. And so in closing this morning, a reminder to us, this secret place is a high place. Verse 1, it's a near place under the shadows of the Almighty. It's a safe place, verse 2, a place of refuge, secured, it's fortressed. That's the place. It's there you'll find deliverance, a place of refuge in the den, defense from eight verses, verse 5 to 13, that, that, that the things that oppose you and want to destroy you, God says, you come to this place, I'll defend every arrow. I'll be a shield and a buckler to everything that comes against you in your life. In this place, and in this place, I'll be your delight. I'll answer you. You'll have my presence. I'll rescue you. I'll honor you. 
And then the destination, the promise is that from that, we receive the satisfaction of, an, of a blessed life and be able to experience the joy of salvation. He'll show him, show us his salvation. I, I'm not sure. I didn't really study this out. I might do this later today. But I'm wondering in the English text here this morning, is that talking about experiencing salvation today? Or is that something I'm looking forward to having in the eternal abode? I'm wondering maybe if it's both. The complete salvation of God is revealed to us now and forevermore. I like that. So today and every day, you're invited to the secret place, this shelter place. He's waiting for you. So let me give you a few closing questions and you examine your heart. Would you go there? All right. When are you going? When will you go? You got everything on your calendar inside your phone right now but that right there. Hello. You got every schedule in your mind. You've already got your week all planned, do you not? You know exactly where you're going to be an hour from now. You know where you'll be at 4 o'clock today. You'll know where you'll be at 6 in the morning. You know, you got all planned out. But do you have that reserved time to get there? When will you go? What are you going to take for your journey you're going to see God. You're going to visit the Most High. What will you bring to God? Will you give Him your praise? Will you hallow His name? Will you give petition of daily need? Will you re 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 request supplication, a supply for something or for, for yourself? What will you take on the journey when you go there? And how long do you want to stay? Some of us need to put that, this much we need to put on a calendar. We need to tell ourselves, I'm going to stay there 15 minutes today. Not till I got a rush. Go. No, there's a determined amount of time. Every vacation I've ever gone to, I always knew the ending day before the beginning day. I knew when I was coming home. How long will you stay in God's presence when you go there? And what do you think you'll be bringing back to live your Christian life today, tomorrow, and the next day after spending a few minutes or a half an hour or maybe even a full hour in that place. You know that old song better than I do, some of y'all. Sweet hour of prayer Sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne make all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often 
found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return from a sweet hour of prayer. Come and go with me to my father's house, to my father's house, to my father's house. Come and go with me to my father's house where there's joy, joy, joy. Oh, won't you go with me to my father's house, to my father's house. Let's go to my father's house. Come and go with me to my father's house where there's peace, peace, peace. Well, let's all go there. I mean, sing it. To my father's house, to my father's house, to my father's house. Oh, let's all go there. To my father's house where there's love, love, love. I guarantee you, double dog guarantee you, I promise you, there ain't no best place to go today. Who's lying to you? Why are you so deceived? I can't believe some of y'all don't go there very often. Are you a fool? Are you crazy? Are you illiterate? Don't you understand? It's the best place for a Christian to go and dwell and spend time in this secret place. Our praise team's coming to close our service. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that this lesson today can be such an encouragement and an exhortation. Maybe to some it's partly a rebuke because of forsaking this blessed place. Dear Lord, when we discover where this place is, May we travel there often to find all the rich treasures in verses 3 and following down to verse 16. In Jesus' name I ask it, amen.